There we go. Good morning, everyone. Um, so glad to be with you. It seems like um, it's been a while since I've been here. I've been traveling a lot for work, and um, when I do that, I'm pretty much gone all week, but um, I do try to keep up with everything. Um, I think the pastor was teaching Wednesday night on harvest and breakthrough, and um, 30, 60, 100, so I was recently listening to that. Um, this morning, um, you know, I've got a huge teaching here, and this is actually a condensed version of it, but it's based off of a couple of dreams that came while I was, while I was away, and it was when I was in Denver, Colorado this past week, um, and all of you are aware that, you know, some of the, uh, the fires that are still uh, blazing... Um, even, you know, the wind kind of carries that over into Colorado. And there was a constant haze of smoke all over the city. Um, and which is really interesting because it really kind of speaks to some of the things that I, uh, I know that I saw in this dream. And I'm going to briefly just, just touch on each one of them because I believe the, the first dream kind of builds onto the second dream. And I'm not going to share a lot of details um, from the title, you can pretty much tell what the content was. And um, the first one, it was kind of, it was really odd because the first dream had a lot of different moving parts that some some things were, um, I, I could tell that they, they went together, but then there was other things that were just like, why is this in this dream? And, and, and really the the main the main point of, of the first dream that I feel that really stood out when I woke up was um, how that we do not need to look back we need to re, we need to continually keep our our thoughts going forward and I'm purposely not going to share details. Uh, number one, they're grotesque. It, then it's not <laughs> something that's very enjoying to see. And lest anybody think, you know, well, how is that possible? Well, let's, let's kind of read through the book of Ezekiel and read Jeremiah. And there was a lot of destructive things that these prophets saw um, in advance before they even happened. And this is not a, a D-Day. This is not a doomsday. Um, I almost called, titled it Doomsday, but hence the DD there. But we don't have we don't have to fear. We don't need to be discouraged because from the title, you can see this is what the Lord's promising all of us. He's going to be providing incredible deliverance in the midst of great destruction that is coming for us, for people like us. And so that first dream happened, and it was—it seemed like it was hours, just continually, like all night, just one one scene after the other. But the main point that I remember, and we're going to focus on on a verse here that we all know very well. As God brings us into great points of deliverance with destruction behind us, we should never look back, like Lot's wife. And, and that's, that's, that was the main point of that first dream. So that happened one night, and the very next night, there was this second dream. And all throughout this dream, I saw different scenes where there was destruction everywhere. I mean, it was like this scene happened, and, and I saw this city. And, and remember, I was in Denver, and I don't know if there's any significance there, but well, there is significance because of the smoky haze that was there. And, 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 and I know that um, we need to be ready for the day of, day of the Lord is darkness, right? I mean, we don't need to forget those teachings. And, um, but His light is going to shine upon us. His light is going to shine upon those that are representing what He's doing the earth at, at this time frame and moving forward. And so that's kind of the backdrop of this. Now, while I was in Denver, and I just thought of this this morning when I was doing some last-minute studying and, and looking at verses, 
I was in one of their, their detention centers all this past week, and, man, there were difficulty after difficulty. I mean, sometimes things go really smooth. Other times it's like there's, there seems to be major problems and nothing can get fixed. But I, I remember going into one of the, um, they, they call them housing units or pods, how, what are you going to call it? And I'm teaching, okay? Now, I remember... Jesus was in the midst of environments where he was teaching, and there were disruptions all around. The, the environment was anything but um, um, not disruptive. It seemed like everywhere he went, the enemy or people were always rising up and trying to be disruptive and, and prevent him from the mission or, or the task at hand. So I'm standing in this housing unit, and remind you, I'm around murderers and rapists, I mean, of all types, and probably some things I don't even know about, which is good. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and I'm instructing. I'm in a teaching mode. And all of a sudden, this dude to my left, he just starts shouting at me and going, you're not God, you're not God. I mean, just at the top of his lungs. And I, I'm just, I'm staying calm. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm not him, but... And, and then, so the, so the deputy beside me, there's two of them, he turns and he says, if you can't be respectful, you need to go back to your cell. And he just keeps on and on by saying, you are not God, you are not Elohim. You know, I'm thinking all these things as I'm standing up there. And all of a sudden, this guy just keeps going on and on, just like a, a recorder. Same old thing over and over again. And all of a sudden, I watch these two deputies come behind me they go over to this guy and tell him get up he gets up and he's just saying the same thing walks away and they they lock him away in his cell and he's still just yelling at the top of his lungs and i just kind of thought that was interesting and it kind of depicts nobody likes to have disruption while you're trying to instruct or teach but we're going to be put in situations where we're going to have to stay calm. But God is going to bring that was that was a point of um, immediate deliverance where he he came and he did something. I didn't have to say a word. These deputies came and they they removed this guy and put him in his cell. And so I kind of bring that up just to just to remind all of us. It's not going to always be like we're at a seminar here. <laughs> where it's all just everything's just right and all our people are here. That's fine and dandy, and it has its place. But I think the environments that we're going to be sent into are, are soon going to be changing. They're already hostile. They're already <laughs> chaotic. And, and I was plopped down in the middle of a, of a scenario that was not the, the norm, and, and we need to be ready for it. And we don't need to... Uh, there was no fear. There was no trepidation like oh my god this guy's going to pull out an eye uh, none of that because god brought a point of deliverance in the midst of a situation that was it was not very pleasant so those two dreams this happening the fires that are blazing and and the smoke even coming in from one from the west all the way into colorado was um uh, speaks to where we're going to go this morning and God's going to ask us to do some things and take action that are going to be absolutely just crazy in the eyes of man. Noah, build an ark. That was pretty radical, wasn't it? But we are, we are like Noah in that we are following the Lord in the Nuach of his spirit. And before destruction comes, he's going to prepare every single one of us for great points of deliverance. And that's where we're going this morning. And we're going to look at a, at a Hebrew word, and I've got it there at the top for you, shahat, and it means to, a, to decay or ruin. And when you think about the term to decay, I think about the remains of like a, um, the destruction of a building or even a, a, a city uh, that's been destroyed or is in like a, a, 
in, in total disrepair or like a, a state of decay. That's really what I think about when I, when I see that word. And if you look it up, I mean, that, that's kind of a definition of it. And if we let the Scripture kind of speak to us about this, we'll see that some of the, some of the, 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 the facets of who God is in, 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 in judgment and burning or the fire of the Lord, fire can, can be something that is, a, is, is, is used for refinement. And let's, let's pray that that's what it is most of the time, but it can also be very destructive can be devouring, Scripture says, consuming. And it's dependent on what the people and the places are actively engaged in and doing as to what quality it personifies. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah are here. And there are there's coming, and I know... I'm not being detailed, and I and I don't want to go there because something. I mean, you. I did not want to see this. <laughs> I didn't go to sleep that night thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bunch of destructive dreams here, and I'm gonna see all this bloodshed and all." Uh, the Battle of Armageddon. It's full of blood, right? I mean, the 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 Battle of the Warriors uh, involves warfare and blood, and I mean, it's it's gory. And. But we're going to operate like a Moses where we stand in the gap as intercessors, right? There, there's a lot of principles here that I think are really going to, going to take on a new shape for all of us. So I want to go back to the very beginning in Genesis 6. And this is the first time that this word destroy is used. And that's what we're going to really look at. It's, it's translated in other ways. But it's primarily translated as destroy. And it just to me to cause something to decay or to be absolutely ruined. And in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 7, it says this. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And Yahweh says, My Ruach will not always strive with man, for he is also flesh. Yet his days will be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of Elohim came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children of them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God, God there is uh, uh, Jehovah, Saul, the raw of man was great in the earth. This is how God is looking into the earth today. What does he see? We know his eyes are capable of looking and seeing the tobe and the what? The raw, the twistings. So the environment that, that, is, that is currently happening in the political realm and in every other realm in this earth, he sees everything that's going on. He's, he's been very merciful, and he still will be, and he's very compassionate. But we all know the end is going to be absolute destruction of the old and the bringing in of the new, right? The end, I mean, he, he, the Scripture says he's going to do away with the current earth. He, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth, right? That is a very destructive thing. Why, why would God, it almost sounds like he's very cruel and mean, but we have to always, and I remind myself too, just like I'm telling you, God does not think the way we think in our carnal nature. He does not think the way man does. There, he is absolute perfect. So why? He's wanting to restore things back to the way, to his original intent, right? We know that. That's a principle. So why would he come in a destructive manner to an entire city like Sodom and Gomorrah, like Dallas, or like Denver, or like California? Why is he... Why is the fire of the Lord being, being revealed from heaven? 
People are interpreting this in many different ways. I think he's causing these things to happen to let mankind know this can be a refining quality of what I'm doing in you or it can be a destructive thing. And if mankind determines in their heart that they're just going to continue down their own pathway and their own agenda, God's going to let it happen, but his fire is going to come, right? It's destructive right now. And he's trying to get people to recognize the error of their ways. He's trying to get them to realize he wants their heart. He wants that part that he created for them to begin to be ignited and to, and to follow him. That's his desire. When it speaks of, we all know this, just reminding us, when, when the Scripture talks about the jealousy of, of God, the jealousy of his heart, it's not the same. It, it's pure jealousy. He looks and he sees Ra. He sees the Tob. He sees people that are functioning in iniquity. He sees, he sees those that are missing the mark, and, and that's his fire wants to visit that and, and, and ignite it to, to function the way he created it to. It's a pure, and it, sometimes our words cannot really do, mine can't do much justice in, in describing a pure jealousy and a pure hatred. A, it, it almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Jealousy and hatred and love, and, but it's there. It's just who he is, but he, he, his intent is that mankind would function like he created them before the fall. And here we have this situation where, where Yahweh is looking at the twistings of man and he, and he classifies it as great in the earth. And he even takes it a step further and says, even the imagination of the thoughts inside the heart are twisted on a continual basis. And then in verse 6 it says, And it repents Yahweh that he had made man on the earth. Now come, and pastors taught much about that and it grieved him at his heart so when he looks in the earth and he sees his creation every person on this planet was created and formed by God and when he looks at his creation and he and he sees the twistings he's grieved at the very center of who he is and then Yahweh says I will destroy man, here's that word, shahat. I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth. Both man, beast, creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. There's a fourfold progression there. For it repents me that I have made them. That's kind of hard to imagine. It really is. But when you think of a pure, holy God that cannot tolerate he has a zero tolerance for iniquity, missing the mark. He just does. That's just, he can't stand it. And when, 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 it, when he sees it, he has to respond in, 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 in some action. And in this case, he decides, I, I've got I've to get rid of all this. This is not the way that I intended it to be. And if you keep reading, I mean, you, you, you know the story here. And we're going to keep reading because these are preparations for upcoming destruction. Now, I know the Scripture says before anybody thinks, well, he said he'd never do this again. Okay, well, you go and read Revelation. I'm not saying he's going to release a flood like this because he did say he's not going to do it in this way ever again. But there are still, part, there are still prophetic things that God said he's going to do that have not occurred yet that are coming but you know what there's hope there is hope because verse verse 8 says but Noah or Nuak what did he find in the midst of this grace where did he find it in the eyes of Yahweh in the visionary capability that it's always associated with with the eternal plan. And then he says, these are the generations of Noah. 
Noah was a just man, and he was perfect in, in his generations. And Noah walked with Elohim. You know, it, when, when you're walking with someone, it's not, it's not a, a one-time thing, right? I mean, it says he's walking. I love that terminology. Pastor's written a book, and we had that seminar on Elohim, and it, it speaks walking with, with Elohim. Should, should let everybody know that it's not just about salvation or there's a, it's a one-time thing or being baptized in the Spirit and speaking in tongues one time. And uh, it's, it's ongoing, moving continually. It's not stationary if you're walking. It didn't say stopping with God, right? It says walking with Him. And Noah begat three sons. I'm glad I wasn't Shem, Ham, and, and Japheth. And then he says, the earth was also corrupt before Elohim, before the heart of God. This, the, it, was, it was corrupt. And the earth was filled with Hamas. And pastors taught on the Hamas. God is still seeing the Hamas that's going on in the earth, the violence and all the, 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 the unjust things and the, the wrongfulness that's going on. And everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and go. Why? Why would we jump on a bandwagon that God already knows is going on? I mean, it makes no sense. He's going to rectify it, but he, he gets revenge. Revenge is mine, thus saith the Lord. It's, revenge is not something we can do on our part because we're going to do it incorrectly every single time. And that's why he says, that's mine. And these states better wake up and recognize that what he's doing there with the fires and, 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 and there's, there's other things coming. Jesus prophesied about in the last days. Floods, earthquakes. <laughs> These are signs for people to get right with the Lord and to follow him. And Elohim looked, ra'ad upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. There's that word again. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God didn't, God didn't cause this corruption. But he's recognizing it and he's dealing with it. We need to, we need to kind of follow in, in, in his pattern, right? When he highlights something that, is, that he considers to be corrupt or violent or Hamas-like, we need to let him deal with that inside of all of us and now i'm focusing on us too because we're not exempt from this i mean if you listen too much to the media you'll believe the things that they're preaching or teaching some of it's good and we need to have a balance man every time you turn it on it's just like then none of it even talking about a network here. I'm just talking about in general, you could easily get discouraged. You could easily start trying to believe uh, something that has truth in it, but it's really a lie too. But my point is, let's let's not get caught up like some have, and they're they're no longer with us. I'm talking about devoted saints that were once alongside with us, and now they are just drunk with Hamas. The injustice and things that are not correct and wrong, and we need to right the wrongs. Really, is that our job? That sounds like God's job to me. He, needs, he gets revenged the way he sees fit. Anything that is considered unrighteous, we can't do anything about, I can't, Forgive your sins, you can't forgive mine. And this all goes back to just stay in the ark. Stay, the ark was a physical demonstration, but it also figuratively means for us the ark of his presence. If we stay in his presence, we will be protected. When we remove ourselves from that covering, then we're, we're exposing ourselves to things that are going on around us. And it does, I'm not saying we won't, we won't experience you know, difficulty. We will, but, 
the point of all of this is he said to he told Noah, he said, your point of, of great deliverance is building this ark. That ark didn't just appear one day, did it? It took a lot of time and a lot of preparation and involvement, partnership. God told him to do it. If Noah would have thought, well, did I really hear him say build an ark? And then just to say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. We know what would have happened, right? He and his entire family would have been impacted because of his decision to not partner with God in building that ark. But we know he did. And the scripture says here in a minute, we're going to read it, and I'll go ahead and do it now. It's perfect timing. And God said to Noah, all flesh, Elohim said unto Noah, the very intent, the heart of who he is, he's letting Noah know the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with Hamas through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then here's the directive. Make thee an ark of some of that gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And he gave him specific instructions on how to build the ark so that it could house the people and the animals during the time of the flood. And Genesis 6.22 says, Thus did Noah, according to all that Elohim commanded him, so did he. Now, as we move forward as a people, I don't know, he may tell you, hey, Les, build me a boat. Or he may tell you to do some really wacky things. He may tell you, hey, don't get on that plane. And there come a major deliverance because you obey, we obey the voice of the Lord. And that's the key. We obey what he says to do, and major deliverance comes when destruction is all around. Is this making any sense? I know this kind of off-the-wall kind of thing, but... And, you know, I wonder how some of these, these guys... I wonder how Amos felt when he got the revelation about the day of the Lord being darkness. <laughs> I mean, I wonder how he felt personally. I wonder how Ezekiel felt when he was, I had all these crazy encounters and taken between heaven and earth and look, was, was digging through the walls <laughs> and, and seeing all these creeping things and God showing him this is what the people of God are engaged in. They're engaged in all these abominations. I want you to speak to them. And reveal to them those abominations. I mean, it's really odd, but we're in the same, no pun intended here, boat that they were. It's just we're in a different um, time frame than they were. So I really find great um, uh, encouragement in that. In, in, in reading things like Ezekiel and, 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 and Amos and Jeremiah and because if it happened to those individuals, and, and, and I look at where we are, and I think, what a, wow, this destruction that I saw. Well, they saw it too, so it, it helps me is what I'm saying. It should help you as well. Now, let's keep going because in Genesis 9, and I'm kind of skipping around here because there, there's just so much to this, but in Genesis 9, Elohim establishes his covenant with a Nuach individual. This is nothing new here, but let's look at this together. And Elohim spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And behold, I establish my covenant with you, with your seed after you. And with every living thing that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be neither shall there any more be a flood to shahat the earth. And Elohim said, This is the token which I have made between you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth 
And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant. So the first two I wills is he says, I will establish my covenant. Now he's saying, I'm going to remember my covenant. Not that he's forgetful, because we know he can't forget. That's more or less for us, that we also remember he's made this between me and you and every living creature of, the, of, of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to shahat all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember and then he adds an adjective, the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh. And Elohim said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Man, there, there's so much there. But you see, God, when he, before destruction came, he said, I have someone that I want to partner with. And I know those that are that are functioning in my new walk he knows that he knows that there, there is we cannot convince god and and do anything to make him realize that we're we're the new individual he already knows and 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 a lot of what he's done in all of us is because he knows what he's doing in the earth he knows what he's doing in us and as a people so most of the church has they have no idea of, of some of these things yeah there's this there's a small percentage that do. But even that small percentage really doesn't have the, the, the depth of understanding and revelation that he's given to us. And that's not a prideful thing. That's just a factual thing. But we have the privilege to be able to share this with all the people that we encounter. You know, the days where we used to kind of uh, go, well, I don't think I'm supposed to say anything, and we kind of shy away a little bit. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. The enemy is shouting, you're not God. And I mean, all up in our face, this dude was three feet away from me. I kept my composure, and I just, the task at hand was to teach. No matter where we're at, no matter what the enemy's saying, God is going to do this again and again. He's, gonna, he's prepared us for points like this that are coming very soon. It might be in the form of a flood. It might be the fire of the Lord just blazing down from heaven on another place in our country or even overseas. But when fire hits, we should know immediately, okay, is it come to devour? Is it come to destroy? Is it come to refine? There's all kinds of qualities to it. And in much of what I'm talking about, I saw it in a destructive manner across different cities here. And I did recognize some that were in other countries. But he's going to protect us. He's going to give us great points of deliverance. We will not, this will, this will not come nigh to us. And I think the pandemic was just the beginning. Now, Genesis 13 says, and I've already referenced this, it speaks of destruction of cities. In Genesis 13, 10 through 13, Lot lifted up his eyes and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was a well watered everywhere before Yahweh destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of Yahweh, like the land of Egypt, as thou camest unto Zoar. Um, then Lot cho chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pinched his tent toward Sodom. Mistake number one. <laughs> Don't ever pitch your tent toward Sodom, a city like Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, raw, and sinners before Yahweh exceedingly. Do you think God loved these people? Absolutely. But he's identifying what he sees in his pure vision. <laughs> That's all he's doing here. He's saying, I know there's so many people that, that better wake up that are just given a bunch of lip service. God knows those that, that speak the right things around the right people, but their heart is so far from him. And that's, I'm not saying that's us. I'm just saying, you've been around people. They say one thing, and they do 15 other things. Their mouth and their heart are not in alignment. Something's wrong. That, that touches on every, <laughs> every area for all of us. And I'm praying, I'm, and I know you are as well, and we've done this. But our government, 
man, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm praying that that God will, when things get really dark and gross darkness starts to cover the earth, that we quickly repre- uh, uh, notice the light that's going to shine on us. Because light overtakes darkness. Light overcomes it. And, and light reveals darkness. And we got to be ready, y'all. I'm, I'm serious. What I saw was so destructive. I mean, it, it was like being in World War II all over again. We need to be ready. And I, and I know we are. He's prepared us for this. And, and when we are led to places where the plagues of Egypt are going to be revisited again in our day, we need to remember Moses. We need to remember the people that God, and he's so, he's so merciful, don't get me wrong, so gracious, so compassionate. But we, we just need to be ready for what's coming. Now, as we continue to look at Genesis there's a lot of lot that we're looking at from, from the, the, the book of the beginnings. Elohim remembers Abraham. In, in, in Genesis 19, verses 15, beginning in verse 15, it's a long passage, but we're going to stop as we go through here. And when the morning arose, this continues about Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the angels hastened Lot. I'm thinking... Man, leave Lot alone, man. He, he chose to pitch his tent towards Sodom, right? That's what, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you, you've thought it too and you've read it. You're like, leave him alone, man. He's doing all, making all these decisions that are not good. But the angels hastened Lot saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. So this concept of, of, of being consumed in the iniquity is here in Sodom and in Gomorrah. And while he lingered, I'm thinking, lingered? Two angels just tell you to get up and leave, and you're going to linger? What is wrong with you, Lot? The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. There it is. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they brought him forth abroad, that he said, escape for your life. Here's the directive here. Look not behind thee. That was the first dream where I was there, and I could, I could get the sense that, uh, like, turning, feeling the urge to look behind, but then, no, go forward at the same time. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. And Lot said, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in your sight, and you have magnified your mercy, which, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one in my social live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted. See, Senorita. I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city which thou hast spoken. Listen to this word here. Hasty, escape thither. I can do nothing until you've come out of here. Wow, that's pretty amazing, right? Even people like Lot, and it's because of Abraham. It's because of Abraham. Remember, leading up, I believe, is where where the discussion's going on, if you find 50 righteous, you find this, and, and he just keeps scaling it down and scaling it down. Abraham operated as an intercessor standing in the gap in the Old Testament, just like Moses. And if we keep reading, it says, Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And uh, let me f- the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then Yahweh reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord or Yahweh out of heaven that's an interesting concept right brimstone fire coming out of heaven and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew up on the ground and here's where the individual made the mistake 
His wife looked back behind her, and she became the pillar of salt. The angelic representative specifically said, God already knew that, that Lot had made the mistake by pitching his tent towards Sodom, but now he said, do not look back. And she made the mistake, and then she became the pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before Yahweh. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when Elohim destroyed the cities of the plain that Elohim remembered Abraham. That is us. He's going to remember those that are following him in an Abrahamic um, relationship. He's not going to let these destructive things that are coming affect us. He's going he's to make a way, and he's even going to make a way for those that are pitching their tent toward a Sodom, like he did with Lot. He didn't have to do that, but it was because of Abraham. The actions of Abraham caused this to happen. I think that's very significant. Those that we love and those that we are close to, God is going to allow them to escape before destruction's released. And that's a promise that we can all hold on to. Okay, let's look at page three. Scott, we're at page three. Tammy, we're there. Okay. Now, let's look next, at, and we're going to go through um, Exodus a little bit here. This involves deliverance from the destroyer. In Exodus 12, 21 through 28, then Moses, these are some pretty incredible individuals, right? We've already seen and talked about Noah, Abraham, and now Moses. Great company to be among, right? And Moses called all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of your door of your house in the morning. For the Lord Yahweh will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he raahs the blood upon the lintels and on the two sides of the post, Yahweh will pass over the door and will not suffer the shahat to come in and smite your houses. <laughs> there's, there's, when I see that blood, right? Passover. When destruction was coming, when you're covered in my blood and I see it, and I ra'ah it, then this destroyer will not be able to come nigh into any of your houses. God is going to take care of his people, no matter what's coming destructively. And you shall observe, shamar, guard over, attend to everything that I've told you to do in this thing, for it's an ordinance to you and your sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you come into the land which Yahweh will give you, According as he's promised that you will shamar this service, guard over it, do it. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, what does this service mean? That you shall say, it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. Great deliverance for the people of God because of him seeing the blood that covers us. That is a great promise for all of us. And the people bowed the head and they worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. At this point, it's pretty radical, right? It's kind of like the old ark, the ark. <laughs> Noah, make the ark. Radical action. Hey, people, take some of this blood. Smatter it on the... Make no sense, right? But evidently, God used it as a, as a sign of, of the true Passover. 
Now let's look at some examples um, in the remaining time that we have of this corruption by the people. Now these are some very, these are some, some sad times in the Old Testament. In Exodus 32, verses 7 and 8, And Yahweh says unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for, your, for the people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted shahad themselves. I mean, we go back to Egypt, and we think about all that God did with the signs, wonders, miracles, everything he did. How is it that they've decided to partner with corruption? It just shows the, the nature of man. There's, a, there's this propensity on the inside to... to um, to yearn for things that are forbidden. They have turned aside quickly out of the way, out of the derrick, out of the, 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 the pathway which I've commanded them. And they have made a, a molted calf or a golden calf and they've worshipped it. And not that's bad enough that you've... You, you're, you're engaged in corruption and you've taken and you've made an idol, a golden idol, and you've worshipped it, but now you're sacrificing to it. And said, these be our Elohims, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of Egypt. So here's Moses. And the entire context, if you go back and read it, he's, he's, in, the, he's in the mountain of the Lord. He's, having, he's meeting with God. And at the same time, at the base of the mountain, the people are engaged in total corruption. That scenario seems really odd, doesn't it? The leader is in, in deep commune with God, but yet the people are so far from him, it's just it's unbelievable to fathom. But that's the context, and that's what's going on. And then if we keep reading in verse 30, of Exodus 32 it says and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses says unto the people you have sinned a great sin and now I go up unto Yahweh and peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin and Moses returned to Yahweh and said oh this people has sinned a great sin and they made them gods of gold Elohims of gold yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin and if not blot me out I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing to Mo, for Moses. I, I don't know about you, but I'd probably be saying, mm, I don't know if I want to do that or not. <laughs> Blot me out? No, take them out. That's the human nature in us. <laughs> but this, this shows you the type of person that Moses was. I mean, he was incredibly humble. And he was, he was truly a representation of, of, of an intercessor standing in the gap on behalf of the people here. That's exactly what he was doing. And it says in verse 34, Therefore now go, lead the people into the, into the place of which I have spoken unto thee. That's, that's kind of odd too. I mean, the people are engaged in corruption. Now God's going, hey, lead the people. It's just really odd, the, the, the entire context. I'm thinking... Oh, did you say leave the people? No, he said lead the people. <laughs> but you might have heard leave, right? I might have heard leave too if I was had to lead people that were engaged in corruption and idolatry. And I mean, it's this is pretty bad. But he's leading the congregation of Israel here, and that's the Old Testament uses that 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 language. And he says, "Mine angel will go before you." Oh, okay, that makes it a lot better. There we go. Nevertheless, in the day when I visited. I will visit their sin upon them. And Yahweh plagued the people. Here's the consequence of their action. He plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. He held them accountable for their actions. We too are held accountable by him for our actions. You know, we're not, I don't think any of us are going out here and dancing around a golden idol or anything like that. But, I mean, he... He wants to hold us accountable. And I, and I know we have to, we have to remember what, which, which covenant we're in. We're in the old covenant. The principles are very much alive today. 
but it was really, really restrictive and so hard, so hard to live under the old covenant. You, you couldn't do it. There was no way that you could do it, but people were doing their best. Thankfully, now that we're in the new covenant, uh, the covenant of grace, he still requires accountability, but it's in a different light today. Now, I'm, I've been talking for quite some time. I'm going to pause for a minute, take a sip of coffee. Does anybody have any uh, any questions or any comments you want to interject into this? Keep going for five more minutes. Deuteronomy 4, verses 30 through 40, says this. And I, I'll be honest with you, there, there's some things in here that kind of stood out to me that I hadn't really quite seen. But it says, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee. You've got to go back and read the rest of it to get the full uh, context. Obviously, tribulation is something that's negative, though. And he says, and all these things come on unto you in the latter days, if you will turn to Yahweh your Elohim and be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you, neither destroy, nor, neither shahati, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he sworn to them. So God is even at this point saying in the midst of trying situations, it's tribulation here, and, and a lot of other things that are coming on, if people will, if they will turn and they will be obedient to his voice, then God's not going to forsake them. God's not going to release destruction and he's going to remember his covenant. So even in the midst of tribulation that he's talking about here, he's still moving in in, um, what did he say here? His, his mercy. He's still extending mercy all the time. He's giving people opportunity. Every single person will have opportunity to turn before tribulation or destruction hits. For ask now the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from the one side of heaven unto the other, well, there hath been any such thing as this great thing or, or hath been heard like. It's kind of confusing, but did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard live? He's going, hey, wake up. Remember this? Has everybody had that type of an encounter is really what he's saying? Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations? Signs, wonders, war, mighty hand, and a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that Yahweh, your Elohim, did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He's really trying to wake the people up and to stir them to get back in line with Him. And He's recalling great things that He did. And unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know Yahweh is Elohim, and there is none else beside Him. Out of heaven He made thee to hear his voice. Why? Why is, he, why is he doing this? It says here, so that he can instruct you. It's not just so you can go hear his voice and start creating seminars and make all this money, right? He's doing, he's letting us hear his voice to, to instruct us and to train us. And upon the earth he showed thee his great fire. And thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. Okay, there's another, this is another demonstration of the, 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 the voice of the Lord with fire being attendant to it. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out, out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this, is this day. Know therefore this day and consider it in your heart that Yahweh, the eternal plan, is is Elohim in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Thou shalt shamar, therefore, his covenants and his commandments, which I command thee this day. And when we do that, here's what happens. That it may go well with thee, number one, and your children after thee, 
So it's not only something that's going to affect us, but it's going to affect our children that come after us. And that thou mightest prolong the days upon the earth. Twofold blessing here, which the Lord your God gives thee forever and ever. Pretty remarkable. And we'll probably finish with, let me see here. I'm just scanning real quick here to see. Let's look at page 6. There are several instances where this word destruction is used in Daniel. Talks about kings rising up and wanting to destroy the mighty and the, the holy ones. Focused on us. Malachi talks about rebuking the devourer. Um, and... and, and, and rebuking of it and he shall not shahat the fruits of the ground so the the enemy is not going to be able to devour the the fruits of our ground and then i want to finish with this verse in the new testament i didn't do much study there but i did want to read this these last three verses the destruction of the wisdom of the wise in first corinthians 1 17 through 19 the apostle paul writes for christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who, which are saved it is the dunamis of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. God's focusing on destroying the human wisdom of man so that his godly wisdom can be known. And I believe that all of us are going to be used by the Lord and allow his spirit to demonstrate this type of wisdom as we move forward. And we can be encouraged in that. He is not, he does not, this wisdom and this understanding is all wrapped up in, in humanism. It's, it's man-centered not God-driven. And as people that have been trained to know His, his breath and His Spirit, we're going we're gonna to be like the Apostle Paul where, where we speak and, and, and things just happen. Where we speak and we release His wisdom and His understanding of people and it's going to just unlock things on the inside of them and cause them to step into who God created them to be from the very beginning. God said this, and I end. He was not going to bring that type of destruction again. Okay? We can be forever grateful for that, all of us. Because if he did, that means he would annihilate all of us, all the animals and everything like that. Not true. Because, remember, he says, Noah found grace in the midst of destructive situations. That's us. So I want you to think about, as, as I conclude, think about the ark. Think about his love. Think about the ark and what that ark represents in, the, in our day. It's the ark of the covenant. What was there? Look at all the, the, the different pieces that were in there. The manna. I mean, I, the ark of the covenant is, is just who he is. His presence. That is what's going to protect us and bring great points of deliverance as we encounter and as this earth encounters the coming destructions that are coming. Jesus prophesied, right? He said, he said some pretty harsh things about even, even, even humanity, how they're going to be fighting. The mother's going to hate brother and all that. I mean, that, that's all fitting into this. Floods, earthquakes. Volcanic eruptions are, 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 are a different type of uh, demonstration of fire in the earth. I mean, you know, and, and I pray, and I know you do too, for, for, for the fires to... I don't know if I can pray for fire to cease. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, and I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying. I want it to end when God says it's time for it to end. And I want the people in, the, in these places where fire is being ignited... To realize why it's happening and come to a realization 
that they need to know the Lord. And, and we have to be very discerning to know, is this a fire from the Lord? Or is this a flood coming out of the mouth of the enemy? Remember that in Revelation? <laughs> that takes great discernment. Remember how that, the enemy was going after the, the woman that gave birth to that, that flood came out and tried to destroy her? And what happened? The earth opened up and said, no taco, no bueno, it ain't happening. That's what we believe for. And, and that, that's going to happen. So, I'm done. Dennis.